What's up, Dale? How you doing? Here we are. Finally, you know, um, just like episode one, a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, but that's just because Dylan has got a new mic this week. Yes, he does. All right, Dale, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce the episode and uh, we'll, we'll get things started right away. All right, well, uh, welcome to episode seven here. As Alex said earlier, recording the first time with my new mic. Just came in on Sunday. I was kind of surprised, actually. I thought we were going to be using it for episode eight, but uh, came in a little early. Um, on today's show, we are going to be talking about Drew Brees and some of the comments that he made last week. And uh, we're going to address what he thought, and uh, we're going to give us uh, your. We are going to give us your takes. Oh wow, I totally messed that up. Let me try that again. We are going to give us our takes on Drew Brees. Wow. There we there go. There you go, wow. Dale. There you go. That was that was yes, a little bit of a struggle for you. Dale. <laughs> and we'll let you introduce um, the rest of the episode while I uh Dylan you know. <laughs> I heard you didn't go to mm-hmm. bed till two. Yeah. Um, which is not I normal for me, so about, I slept from about ten to eleven okay. this morning. So it's now about twelve thirty. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little tired, but my brain is still functioning. Um yeah, man, you know. Topic one says Drew Brees is an idiot, and, you know, I'd have to concur. Um, But, you know, besides Drew Brees, we're going to be bringing on, you know, a guest, Mason. We've known him for a while. um, I think we've known him the longest out of the most mutual, our mutual friends. I think we've known him the longest between the two of us. Oh, for sure. So, um, you know, Mace, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to have him on. He He wanted to talk about the worst NFL busts of all time. You know, so a few names probably instantly come to mind yeah, yeah. for me. Um, then you have five pass rushers all time we'll be doing at the end, uh, continuing our series, you know. Um, but, man, you know, the, the first off, like serious stuff. Um, what I mean, what was Drew Brees thinking, man? Because that, that was know, idiotic. Man. That was definitely not what I expected. Uh, turning on the TV Wednesday night. Very insensitive. <laughs> For real, it was just insensitive, and and he missed the mark. So why don't you just break down, you know, your thought process behind everything he said, and and where he kind of stands now that he. I came mean, out he went that. on, um, I believe it was Yahoo Finance. He was just on there as a recorder or in an interview, and somehow the discussion of you know everything going on in the world came up, and he put out his opinion there, and uh, basically saying that his two grandparents fought in the military. And that he doesn't like how people were disrespecting the flag by kneeling. And everybody came out, basically everybody came out and said he was wrong. And uh, he walked back his statement. I guess that was a little better than I thought it was. At least he came back and walked it back. Maybe he got some sense spoken to him. Obviously, his teammate Michael Thomas came out and said something, um, among others, LeBron James, you know. So uh, I think he walked back his statements, and uh, you may see him this season uh, as long with some other players that you wouldn't expect maybe kneeling for that anthem. You never know. Um, You know, I've heard rumblings that, I mean, everybody, everybody, even coaches mm-hmm. are preparing like to kneel that that's what is prepared. Um, I, I, it's, it's sad to me because Drew Brees, you know, he's my favorite quarterback. We talked about that on the quarterbacks thing. And I mean, this was just disappointing because he completely missed the mark. Like, the thing I understand, like mm-hmm. when Cap first knelt, obviously everybody's talking about the flag. Everyone's yeah, talking people didn't about, know what you know, I mean. 
yeah. I was listening to something on the way to work yesterday that said he kneeled for that for that first time that he kneeled. Nobody even noticed it. And then he did it again, yeah, and real. somebody caught it on a photo, and it just blew up from there. That's 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 the thing. It's he 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 wasn't doing it intentionally mm-hmm. against the flag. It was because of this police brutality that's been going on forever. You talk about you know, um, I I I was trying to gain perspective, obviously, because I don't know what it's like to be mm-hmm. black in America. I was calling a good friend of mine from high school. Um, we were calling until like 4 a.m. just talking about he was stopped in very well near where we live. Three assault rifles pointed mm-hmm. at him for no reason. Just because of the color and of his skin. It just. Yeah. And it's it's just sad. So, you know, Breeze, he comes out. Obviously, we understand. We I, I completely respect the military. You know, I completely respect having grandparents mm-hmm. in the military. Yeah, I had a grandparent um, in the military, so I mean, I totally understand where he was coming it, from. It was just the wrong take for that time. It it just it's wrong because that's not why mm-hmm. they were kneeling. So it's like he just he just missed the mark. You know, Bill. I know I I wore my cap jersey mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. You know, I I wear that jersey proud. You know, even even though it was very controversial yeah. for a while, like even around Super Bowl time. Uh, I, my sister wasn't going to wear it in the house just because she knew that a lot of people didn't with agree what with, yeah, with what, what Cap was doing. But I've always, I've always agreed with it. But the thing is, like, now, you know, you can't really – and I'm, I'm really happy mm-hmm. this is happening – is you see the majority of white people getting on board yes, with the Black Lives yes. Matter movement. Because it's, it's sad it took this the long, thing is, but I totally agree. It really, it really is. And it's just, you know – um, there's always going to be people who, who, who just hate and spread mm-hmm. negativity. Um, you know, I saw something that absolutely disgusted me. Uh, everyone was posting the blackout Tuesday post and somebody from the university of Michigan posted a, a complete white photo and said mm-hmm. enough said hundreds of people. I even commented, I said, this yeah, is disgusting. And I noticed, I you think know, that was a trend over in Asia. They tried to turn it into like a whiteout Tuesday or something. Yeah, that's what they were doing, and it's just disgusting. It's like, are you serious? You you understand if Black lives don't matter, then then really mm-hmm. all lives won't because if we all want equality, and, all, and yeah. no no black person, no black person is out here saying that only mm-hmm. black lives matter. That is not anything they've ever said. They they I saw Terry Crews. He tweeted. He was talking about, you know. Black, we can't just make it black people like and and push for this. We need white yeah. people too, and and everyone because otherwise, then that's black supremacy. We don't want any type of supremacy. So I thought that was a good take by mm-hmm. Terry Crews. Yeah, I did get some um, uh, some feedback I saw from that, but definitely, definitely was needed to be said. Oh, for sure, um, and that's the thing right now. You know, it's hard to speak out, um, but really, you know, as white people, I feel like we have a certain privilege. Yeah, that some people do that others don't. I mean, and that's we we have more of a platform yeah. to say something yeah. is what I feel. Totally like. agree. And with Drew, he completely missed. He had that platform, and had he just came out and how he's saying now, you know, I support black people. Um, it would have been a lot different. It would have been a lot better. But um, I I have read all of his statements. I have looked at all of them, and I really do think it was an honest mistake. I really do think he. 
for lack of a better word, yeah. he was being. I think he did he one of those. You know, he understand. opened his mouth really before. You know, we we were taught as kids. You know, think about what you say before you open your mouth. Yeah. And I think he just made that mistake. And you know, looking back, when after hearing everybody's takes and everything Wednesday night, I mean, it was looking like he was going to get killed basically on the field this year. But I think he really turned it around, oh, and sure. he may have made some allies in the league that you know he may have not if he wouldn't have said anything. A lot of a lot of people were commenting on his apologizes uh, apology statements and just saying, you know, man, it was it was like nice that he 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 retracted mm-hmm. it. Um, a lot of people were like, you know, you don't have to apologize for opinion, yeah. your opinion, but you know, it the the thing for me has always been if. If I make you feel bad, even if I don't intend to, I can't mm-hmm. deny your feelings. Yeah. You feel bad. So I have to acknowledge that and apologize and retract it. So I think that was good on his part. You know, Malcolm Jenkins, the Saints safety, he told mm-hmm. Drew to shut up. I didn't know. Uh, I actually mouth. didn't know Malcolm he, Jenkins was a Saint until I saw that video, to be honest with you. I know he was at the I knew, yeah. I thought he was still an eagle. I didn't know, did not notice he resigned with the Saints. I know he's a big it's he's just, a big it, proprietor to equality in the NFL though. He yeah. has been in on those meetings in the yeah, White he's, House he's, and you know, things like that. So for yeah, him to for say sure. something um, to you know, really say something about it is is big. Yeah, and I think that's even what gained more attention because you know, now you see everybody who had met with Malcolm mm-hmm. Jenkins, obviously now he's bringing that to light as a big advocate. And so, you know, Drew, he just, he opened his mouth at the wrong time. He, he didn't fully understand the issue. He didn't at all understand the issue, in my opinion. Um, and he caused a lot of hurt to the black community. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And I mean, this is a big um, thing because I've noticed leagues that are, you know, predominantly white or, you know, in this case, hockey. Uh-huh. They, I was reading something yesterday. They have already proposed a committee of six or seven of African-American hockey players to start a diversity kind of a organization in the NHL. And that's a predominantly, you know, Canadian kind of a sport or a white sport. Mm -hmm. And even guys like I saw last night, I was watching Undisputed and they were talking about NASCAR. And they even had they put out Mm -hmm. some seven minute video before a race on Sunday. And that just shows that I think finally people are starting to understand what's going on in the world. For sure. I think, you know, it's just, just, it's been so long because what, what we don't recognize and when, when you say, you know, obviously we should never mm-hmm. loot, but the protesters aren't mm-hmm. the ones looting. Mm-hmm. Those are, those the, are the people just trying to get attention. They find out there's gonna be a pro- yeah. They find out there's going to be a protest and then they go, mm-hmm. they go and loot. But with the protesters, like we've had ones here in the Wald Lake area that I saw Milford had one yesterday and one of my mm-hmm. friends was at it. And and they were telling me all about it, and um, you know, with with these protests, I really feel like you know we have a big opportunity. But the protest isn't just about no. George Floyd. It isn't just about like Breonna Taylor and recent ones, Arbery a Eric couple Gardner. months ago. It's it it's going back mm-hmm. to Emmett Till all the way back then, and even before that, the ones we don't know about. So it's like, um, at this point in time. The best thing I think, like, personally, I can do is just keep an open mind. But, like, it's not that because it's more educate myself and, and listen to their stories and their perspectives. And, 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 and I think that's the best thing we can all can do is just 
kind of really listen because everybody, everybody's faced some kind of injustice if they're black in this country. And that is what is sad to me. It's like my mom never had to tell me how to handle the cops. My mom, like leaving the house, my mom never said, oh, Alex, you know, if you're in the car, mm-hmm. here's what you know, to do sure just in case. Fully yeah. See your hands. That's yeah, just... make sure make sure they can fully see your hands. Have your wallet uh-huh. out all yep. ready to go. Like with 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 David and like other people I know. Their moms will give them the all certain, were, you know, here's what to do if you yeah. They were telling them at like mm-hmm. eight. And that's the sad though. part the about thing. it. Yeah. My mom's I'm eighteen. I'm almost nineteen and my mom has never told me how to handle the cops because I don't just mm-hmm. get just because, yeah. for anything. And it's different if yeah. you're, and, you know, speeding or something, but yeah, it's it like if I was going twenty over. But the thing is, like, it's just, it's just we. I think we really can take this time to really mm-hmm. listen and 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 hopefully, I I'm really hoping this this isn't wasted. You know, the best, the most positive things I see, which are also sad in of themselves. You know, you look back on the civil rights movement; certain ones lasted a certain amount of time, and it showed like certain boycotts were like, oh, six months. Mm-hmm. So this, 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 this before change happened. So it's sad because it took lo- took long, but if we just really keep at it, I don't I don't see this like yeah, no. dying out. I mean, I that's the thing is something normally, like this happens, and then that you know movement lasts for a couple months or maybe a year, and then it doesn't get brought up again that's, that's, until that's something else about. happens. Yeah, I I I really hope you know um, that this brings about the best possible mm-hmm. outcome. That we really, we really move forward, you know, um, and that we really do change something. Um, I don't know what should happen. I'm not one to say mm-hmm. anything like Definitely that. Definitely way below um, our intelligence or above our intelligence level at that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I I have always been an advocate of mm-hmm. prison reform because you see yeah, just a lot of black people in prison. Is a huge problem, and yeah. And, and and if you watch like the thirteen documentary on mm-hmm. Netflix, I think I watched it in school. It just shows how after slavery, they purposely started locking up black people like for no, for no yeah. basically nothing, so that they could still use them as labor mm-hmm. through the prison system. So that's how I feel like it really, really continued, and nothing got done about that. And then. You know, now we just see a lot of them. Um, we we see a lot of black people in prison, yeah. sadly, and it's just it, it it's really it's it's just it's really disgusting. So I think prison reform, some sort of police reform, like a, you know, whether I don't I don't know if we should disband the police. That doesn't make complete sense because we need yeah. some type of we do yeah law abiding you know, thing. Everything would go crazy if if we create something new that mm-hmm. that might be the best option i don't know what's going to happen but you know i think we've i think we've said enough yeah, about this topic yeah, um, yeah. obviously very Hard, serious definitely thing. uh harder than usual but uh we're going to come back here and invite mason and we're going to lighten things up a little bit yep for sure all right see ya all right, we are back here for our second segment of the day. We're going to be talking about top five busts with our friend Mason. So we wait for him to get on. You know, um, this this topic, it, I'm telling you, instantly two names came to mind. Mm-hmm. And the more I looked into it, you know, a couple guys I felt like I wanted on my personal list. Um, and here he is. What's up, Mace? 
How we doing? What's up? What's up? All right. So we're going to lighten things up a little bit here. We're going to start off. Uh, hang on. Let me find my notes here. Talk about your football interest, Mace. You got some favorite players or some favorite teams you want to talk about before we get started? Um, I would I'm, uh, go out and say uh, Kelvin Johnson's probably one of my favorite players of all time. Okay. Hey. Um, teams, I would, I would have to say um, old 80s Miami Dolphins. And, um, you know, they haven't been really good since. But No, no, yeah. Ever since Marino um, left, it, franchises went down the toilet. Um, yeah, I mean, you could go with, I mean, Jordy Nelson's got to be up there for one of my favorite wide receivers. Um, but other than that, no, not really. I mean. Okay. Any uh, young superstars you like? You know, Lamar Jackson guy or anything like that? Uh, Mahomes, um, okay. Tyree, right. I would go yes. with. Um, not a lot of people mention his name, but Nick Chubb is probably going to be one. Yes, of my I like Nick Chubb a lot. I'm a big fan of those Georgia running backs. Obviously, oh, yeah. Sony Michelle, Chubb, Gurley. It'd be interesting to see what DeAndre Swift does this year. But the UI brought up Patrick Mahomes. Alex, I'm actually wearing the Mahomes shirt that we have in the cover art today. So. Hey, I'm actually Repping wearing big no one five. Still, I'm wearing no shirts. Mace, oh, okay. you know <laughs> what? What type of shirt are you wearing, bro? I got a uh, jean shirt on. Hey, okay. Hey, on, real quick, Mace. You know, I like to always ask people. My go-to snack would be Cheez-Its right now. Dylan always keeps a Gatorade, even though it's not yes. like a snap. It has um, been been opened. <laughs> what's your What's your kind of go-to snack? My go-to snack. Yeah. It's got to be Cheetos, man. Hey, okay. Cheetos. We're talking uh, hot Cheetos, flaming hot Cheetos, or? Oh, yeah. Any type of Cheeto. Okay. Oh, for Any sure. Any type of but, Cheeto, but, but flaming hot's probably my favorite. Okay. Right, for sure. I used to, uh, at lunchtime, I used to eat, I used to eat flaming hot Cheetos every day. I got, I got the whole class banned from eating uh, my fourth hour in, in eighth grade. Oh, yeah. Not a moment I'm proud of. Of course you did. But, you know, Mace, you brought up, you brought up this topic, man. Um. Very intriguing topic. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um, you know, why don't you start, Mason? With we're gonna go five, five uh, yeah, five through one. Five through one. All right. Yep. Um, number five. Number, number five. You know, rest in peace because he just died this year. His name is Charles Rogers. Yeah, he, uh, he was an all unanimous coming out of Michigan State. Yes. Um, had broke um, for any Mossage record. Of 13 consecutive games with the touchdown catch, I mean, he he was number two taken in 2003 NFL draft. I mean, um, he just never really got it going after first year because of injuries and mm-hmm. it just slowed him down. And you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he was one of those guys where everyone. He he won the best college wide receiver in the nation coming out of state. I mean, he's one of those guys where everyone thought he was going to be a superstar and just couldn't get it going. Mm-hmm. He got in trouble a lot uh, in the law, didn't he? Didn't he get arrested or? Uh, yeah. Was that after his playing career? I couldn't remember. I mean, some of it was drawing because he once oh, okay. injury started, he he got addicted and. Uh-huh. I mean, only played 15 games, ended his career. 
playing 15 games with four touchdowns, and three of those touchdowns were in his first game with the Lions. I mean, wow. If you want to talk about a bus, look at that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, Ro, um, I'm I'm going to talk about another one of these kind of Lions quarterbacks. There seem to be three of them um, that were really bust, like in in this that era. And um, I'm going to talk about one in a little bit. But why don't why don't you um, go ahead and give us your number five real quick, Dale? All right, uh, my number five is a little like Mason's. He was a star in college as well. I remember watching a uh, thirty for thirty documentary on him. His name is Brian Bosworth linebacker out of Oklahoma. He was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, only played 24 games over his two seasons. So he played pretty much 12 games, and then he had, you know, six or six games. So he didn't play a full season over his career. Only four sacks. All of those came in his rookie year and two forced fumbles. I mean, this guy was an absolute animal in college. He was one of those classic guys with a neck roll and everything. And he, yeah. um, because of his off the field issues that he suffered in college, he was actually not, dra- he was in the supplemental draft. He was not drafted in the actual NFL draft. Dang. So uh, disappointed to see where his career went. I mean, I think he holds some records still at Oklahoma for college for tackles. I can't remember off the top of my head. I thought he had one, but just very disappointing career in the NFL. You hate oh, to I, see it, man. I, I totally agree because this guy was just an animal coming out of college. You didn't want him coming at you at all in, in college. I mean, quarterbacks were afraid of this dude. Um, Yeah, I mean, he, like Dill said, he just couldn't get it going. But that, he, that, he had a pretty good acting career afterwards. <clears throat> I right, credit right. for that. Um, you know – it, it sucks because most of these guys obviously were doing a bus list. You know, they just couldn't get it going. But, um, you know, with him specifically, I think, you know, to have those records in college and, 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 and be that physical and then just come out and be disappointing, you kind of wonder, like, you know, where did it go wrong? But um, with my number five, I have a, I have John Ross here. So, um, you know, he, he had one really bomb touchdown. Obviously, he's still in the league. Um, he could, he could turn things around. Um, but you know, a lot of times you'll see with these really speedy receivers, sometimes they don't do well in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm worried about not, Henry Ruggs, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I mean, it's obviously oh, not yeah. always, you see guys, Tyreek Hill, Hollywood Brown last season. Those are some goats, you know, already. Mm-hmm. So, so early into their career. Um, but you know, John Ross, I just, I felt like, it, doesn't he, he still has the record for the 40-yard official Yeah, yeah, because Ruggs was, I thought Ruggs was going to break that this year, but. I did too. No, he, um, he, he couldn't get there, man. No. I think he ran a 4-2-9, and I think the record's 4-2-1. Like four, yeah, 4-2-1, four, something like that. Something like that, yeah. That's crazy. So, John Ross, you know, 4-2-1, you know, you just, you, you expect, you know, with that speed to just be able to, you know, Mm-hmm. light it up but really the the 40 yard dash when you think about it it, it doesn't have any adrenaline involved no. really it doesn't it doesn't have that game aspect you don't see like Tyreek Hill that play I always talk about he comes all the way across the field this past season catches up to Damian Williams in the end zone he did he hit about 22.9 miles per hour or something like that so it's like you know um these speedy guys it's really hit or miss and 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 so far, as of right now, John Ross has been a bust because when he broke that record, everybody was talking about him. 
and now it's like he was a first even... round pick, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm, he I'm, I'm, he I'm did have sure. a he did have a really good college career, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, he, he went he, to University I mean, of Washington. I just happened to look up his stats. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta give the dude some leaning room because I mean I shouldn't say that, but he he was he did start off in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. so yeah, he, he doesn't right. really. He he never was really the number one guy when he first no, came in. He had AJ. Yeah, AJ Green was AJ there. AJ was still there. And then once AJ went down, he was supposed to step up, and he never really did. Well, he's had a lot of injuries yeah. over his career, if I remember correctly. I just happened to pop up his stats. He's only got forty nine catches, but almost a thousand yards. So he's more of that, you know, deep threat more kind that, of the guy. Yeah, he's that deep threat. You yeah. can't just flip him, unlike Tyreek Hill, where you can just flip him a five yard pass and he can go sixty yards. I mean, I'm yeah. sure Ross could do that if he got the ball more and he stayed healthy, but talking about busts, not good players. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's probably – he comes in at number five because, you know, he's still so early into his career, you know, only a couple seasons. And he things could change, but as of right now, he's, he's a bust. He comes in at number five on my list. But you know what, Mason? We share a certain guy, but I'd put him at a different spot. But you have a certain player at number four. Why don't you, why don't you break that down for us? His name is Trent Richardson. Okay, this is one of the most highly recruited running backs coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Went to Alabama, had a really good um, career at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Got drafted by the Browns and really didn't do anything because if you look at it, Browns traded him. The Browns, out of all teams, traded him because he he just couldn't figure out how to adapt coming out of Alabama. I mean, dude, I he he went to the Colts um for a little while but still couldn't get it going there, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, in his senior season or his junior year at Alabama, I just happened to look up his stats just, you know, that's kind of what I do here. Uh mm-hmm. 1704 or 1769 and 21 touchdowns in his junior year at Alabama. I mean, and then to turn around and have an NFL career where you only had 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns over touchdowns. over Crazy. what? I don't know, three seasons, four seasons. Um, yeah. Let's see, he was four seasons. He, he played 46 him. games. Yeah, and he yeah. played um, two two with the Browns, and then mm-hmm. no one really wanted him, and then Indy picked him up picked for a year in 2014. Years, yeah. yeah. I remember he was signed by the Raiders at some. Yeah, point. I don't think he, he ever got any playing time for the Raiders. Though. I yeah. couldn't find any stats. Yeah, I on think they're just on the practice squad uh-huh. for the Raiders. For I um I put him on my list too. Uh, I think I have him at number three, I believe. Um, but I'll get to that when I get to that. But real quick, you know, Mace, I was on that same train of thought. I'm like, you got traded off the Browns. Like even the Browns didn't want him. Like man, it's crazy to me. But um, you know. Um, looking, looking at this, why don't, why don't you go ahead and break down your number four real quick, uh, for us, Dale? Well, you know, I guess Dale, he dipped out on the conversation. Mace, you still here, bro? Uh, I got, I mean, uh, I guess, I guess Dale has left. He's left the building. Um, but you know, we'll continue. Show we, must go on. We we uh, can, uh, yeah, he should pop on in a minute. Um, yeah. Uh, Anyway, Mace, um, my, you, know, you want my number three guy? Yeah, go ahead and give us your number three guy. This, okay. I I 
didn't want to put him on the list, but I did because it was between this guy and another guy who I think just had bad luck. That's why I didn't put him on. His name is Johnny Mandel. Johnny Football. This dude was, you know, he was Johnny Football at Texas A&M. He, he, was, he had it all. Um, but, you know, got drafted by the Browns. Didn't really play because because it's the Browns and they had somebody. Um, yeah. He, he just, I mean, all you really have to say is Johnny Football. That's all you have to say. Um, it, you know, went to went to the went to the CFL. You know, mm-hmm. played a couple games there. But if you if you because he did he he played in the CFL but got kicked out of Canada. I mean, he got banned out of Canada. That's the world's easiest, nicest people. And he oh, got sure. banned from ever going back to Canada. It's crazy, man. It's just he—he he really got addicted to that party life. Um, He—he's actually number one on my list. Um, you know, I'm gonna talk about him in a little bit. Um, we're still having a little bit of technical difficulties here with Dill, oh. so we're gonna stop the recording and then hop back on. But you know, Mace, we'll we'll continue to talk about what you just said with Johnny Manziel there. Um, I'm just gonna exit out of this and I'll invite you right back to the recording. All right. Hey, there we go. Dill, are you in here, bud? You know, I think I think maybe the mic's just not working because it says you're in, but there's only a green dot next to Mason's mic. Um I don't see Dill on here yet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm um, I'm very confused because it, it shows that he's in here. Uh you know, we're probably gonna leave this in. Um but oh, there we are. There he is. I don't know what there happened. Is. I just all of a sudden, you know, it stopped recording. It's it's like I was just looking at it even now. I'm just talking to Mason. It showed your name on my screen. Uh huh. Yeah, but, but I don't. And it, uh, the tab I have pulled up, I have the red dot, and I just noticed it wasn't there. Yeah, I, it's uh, it it was just a it was a weird situation, but you know, I could um, hear you guys the whole time though. That's crazy. That's crazy. So you know exactly what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, you guys were talking Johnny about Johnny Manziel. Football. What a what a loser. I mean, He's he goes from he list. goes from Heisman Trophy winner to partying in Miami with Drake to basically nothing. And you know, I you know what? I'll just talk about him right now. But he and I'll I'll make sure I mention him at the end. He's number one on my list. But in my opinion, the problem was he he was just raised with a kind of entitlement because mm-hmm. if you're hanging out with superstars and things like this when he was in high school and then into college and then into this, you established that party life. But then like he had an entitlement where he really didn't have to work. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he didn't have to um, earn yes. his job. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, everything was just kind of handed to him. Even then, at Texas A&M as a freshman, he went down there and didn't have to work for it. He got mm-hmm. handed to him. Yeah. So then, you know, you, you look at that and it's just like, it's just crazy to me. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about him when I get to my number one spot, but I did want to mention him real quick. You know, we're, we're Mason already gave us his number three. So Dill, we're each going to do our number four and our number three real fast. Okay. But uh, number four is Andre Ware. Um, we talked about, you know, Charles Rogers, Mason mentioned him. Andre Ware is another guy like that. He was Heisman trophy winner, I believe. Right. 
but he he did not translate did not translate at all to the NFL. And in my opinion, it's just a tragic waste of potential. You know, you I I he's on a lot of these lists of just busts um, on like NFL Network. I remember hearing about him, how big of a bust he was. You know, and which yet, is sad to say because he he was a really good college quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, I want I wanted I wanted to see him succeed, but he couldn't. Oh, for sure. And you know, it's just sad too being a Lions fan. Um, I mean, and the finally busts, we have Matthew the busts Stafford. that we've had. I mean, between him, Drew Stanton. Even going back to the 60s, I've heard my dad talk about Gary Danielson. I mean, you see him on CBS doing college football, but apparently he uh, was supposed to be a pretty good quarterback. He was the number one draft pick, and he just turned into nothing. It's just a bad luck with the Lions in that in that regard. And, and you know, when we drafted Matthew Stafford at number one, um, a lot of people were saying, bust, bust. But Matthew Stafford is the best Lions quarterback we have ever had, mm-hmm. and maybe ever will. Um, you know, just can't get it going – be on the playoffs last year health concerns we'll see what he does this year but that was my number four and then moving on to my number three and then I'll pass it off to you real quick Dill it's a guy I just want to briefly mention because Mason mentioned him Trent Richardson he's my number three and like I said you know you get traded off the Browns like even when the Browns don't even want you you know there's something wrong because they would settle for anything at that point and so it's just disappointing you know then he gets traded to the Colts after, you know, being disappointed. I don't think he got traded to a Colts. Didn't they pick him up after Cleveland dropped him? Probably. I don't I don't remember the whole situation. I just know that um, when he left Cleveland, he, you know, when he finally makes it to the Colts, how, however that happened, I remember Johnny, you know, saying, you know, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be good now because he's, he's, he's in a better scheme. And that's like he never amounted to anything. So it's like just a waste of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's sad to see it, but you, you can't really do much. Especially, um, especially coming out of uh, Alabama. Oh which yeah, is, there's so. I mean, Coach the, Saban expects the, so much out of his. Yeah, out of his talent. Yeah, and and he always everybody that I've seen come out of Alabama with Nick Saban there has translated very, very well mm-hmm. to the NFL. I mean, I didn't think Derrick Henry was going to be, you know, the player of these last playoffs when he was winning the Heisman Trophy to Alabama and uh, running over Michigan State Spartans in that 2015 playoff semifinal. But he is just one of those guys that came out of Alabama that couldn't translate, Mm -hmm. which is sad because they all translate very well coming out of Alabama. Unless you're a quarterback. (laughs) Unless you're a quarterback. Yeah. Um uh, real quick, Dill, you know, why don't you give us your number all four? Right, uh, number my number guy. four, actually the next four, my final four are going to be all quarterbacks, starting off with Matt Leinart. He was one of the most successful quarterbacks in USC history during that mid-2000s dynasty that included Reggie Bush, him, Pete Carroll, and some others. He was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, 10th overall in 2006. He only finished his career with 4,000 passing yards and 15 touchdowns. He was uh, drafted uh, with, in a draft class that included Antonio Cromartie and Vernon Davis, so... Sad to see him not have a great career. My number three quarterback or player, pardon me, he is also a quarterback, Tim Couch. Four-year career coming out of uh, University of Kentucky. He was drafted in the, by the Cleveland Browns. Only 22 wins over his career. Obviously one of those 20, you know, 25 quarterbacks that they've had in the last, you know, 20 years. 64 touchdowns over his career, though, so decent stats. But uh, he was in a top five class with Donovan McNabb, Edron James, and Ricky Williams. And we saw what those guys ended up being out. So, 
Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Um, we're talking about you know number four Matt Liner. Um, I, I remember watching the Kurt Warner. I always talk about the football life, so that's just what I watch a lot. But the Kurt Warner one, you know, at the end of his career, he goes to um, Carolina, and he had a chance to kind of mentor Matt when he first got there. And really, that you, you usually see when a veteran guy is mentoring someone, it turns out to be a good thing. In the case of Favre with Rodgers, in the case we talked about, like people like Julius Peppers for Luke Kuechly mm-hmm. last week, Alex Smith um, with Mahomes. I mean. If we want yeah. to throw a current one in there. It's just it's just sad, you know, um, that this one wasn't able to turn out in that way. Um, Tim Couch always reminds me of the Cat in the Hat movie, and I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's just his last name, Couch, reminds me of them jumping on the mm-hmm. couch. I don't know. But, you know, we don't want to dilly-dally. We don't want to waste time. So, Mason, why don't you hit us with your number two guy real quick? Mason? It must be another glitch in the system, man. Um, Dylan, you actually have the same number two guy, so why don't right. you introduce him, talk about so him, and then we'll get Mace back. I have Ryan Leaf. Most of you remember that name. He uh whopping four wins in his three career. Nine games was the longest he played over his entire career. He had uh, less than 50% completion percentage, only 14 touchdowns, threw a lot of interceptions, though, 36 his second year with the Chargers, he threw 18. And, uh, yeah, he was that guy uh, that everybody's going to remember because the guy that went after him actually going to be a future Hall of Famer. His name's Peyton Manning. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Oh, never, 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 never. Yeah, Ryan It's just crazy Leaf, to man. look at these drafts. I mean, the guys that are busts, and I'll talk about it with Jamarcus Russell. I mean, Jamarcus Russell went first overall in 2007. Who went behind him? Calvin Johnson. Exactly. So it's just. Man, you know, it's crazy to look at that stuff. I know Mason's going to have some things to say about Ryan Leaf. So, you know, why don't we, again, close this out and then we'll right. go back. What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, Mace. Yeah, it, it glitched again, but, you know, I'm not yeah. sure if you could I, hear. I, I, I could hear everything that you guys are saying. So That's the weirdest That's the weirdest situation. Happened to Dill, happened to Mace. Um Today is but, just not our day. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with, I mean, mine and Dylan's top two are the same. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Dylan, you basically nailed it on the head with Ryan Leaf. It was just a whole bunch of problems coming out of college, starting with the draft. And he had off-the-field issues, too, that I didn't mention. Didn't he have he had drug problems, I think? Problems or, after uh, alcohol. After football. Um okay. Actually, drawing football, but that's what basically cost him his career, um, minus being a terrible, terrible quarterback. Um, but, yeah, like like Dylan said, it was just his stats speak for themselves. I mean, uh, even with the draft, because, you know, this dude didn't want to go to Indy. Mm-hmm. It, I've, watched, I've watched that video probably a thousand uh, – 30 for 30, probably thousands of times about Ryan Leaf. He didn't want to go to Indy. He wanted to go to San Diego. So he told his agent if Indy drafted him, he wasn't going to go. Yeah. I mean, you I remember all the jokes that uh, people have, thought Joe Burrow didn't want to go to Cincinnati. I mean, you have to have some serious balls to tell a team you're not going to go play for them. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. For real. I mean, and then what's. 
what's even more disappointing is in the case of guys who have done that in the past, Eli and Phillip, you know, they got traded. They didn't want to play where they were. Well, I think mm-hmm. it was mostly Eli. But, yeah, Eli didn't um, want to go to but, San Diego. See, that was that case. Game. With that case, they made something out of their career. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you look at like John Elway didn't want to go to Indy, right? He went to Denver. Yeah. He made something out of his career. With Ryan Leaf, he refuses to go to Indy and then he's just garbage. It's like, how, how are you going to basically flip off a team in a way, but then not be able to back it off? Like, but then again, it up. Mm-hmm. yeah, his, his college career did speak so, for, for himself because he was a great college quarterback. Yes. But, and that was what was so disappointing. Uh-huh. Where did he go to college? I couldn't, I didn't do any research on that. Do you I, know where he went I to college? I think it was, um, I think it was, um, real quick. Hang, on, hang on. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Let me just confirm that. Dylan's going to look it up. Yes. Washington yes, State. Washington State. And then, you know, um, just changing topics. I know you guys both have the same number one guy as mm-hmm. well, but so, he comes I mean, number two. You went, me. you went in a little order, out of order. So we'll start with you. We'll each say a little bit about your Marcus Russell. I uh, so he's number two for me. Um, he he is a bum, no question. Mm-hmm. I have no for idea real. why the Raiders even selected him. Dylan mentioned Calvin Johnson was on the board still. Yeah, I mean, yep. Hall of pretty much potential Hall of Famer, and then but you see a bust at number one. Oakland needed a quarterback. I mean, uh-huh. it's simple, and he was the best one available in that draft. Well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, he was because hindsight. He was one of the highest rated quarterbacks in that draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that time. and Because and- of his college career. I mean, he did. Yeah, he had a decent career at LSU. I mean, it was a, another Ryan Leaf. He had a great college career and just couldn't get it going in NFL. Yeah. And and he just it's 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 crazy to me, you know. Obviously, there's all the weight memes. He came in, he was a lot chunkier than expected. Yeah, a little bit. No, no doubt about that. But just the way he played, the way he was on the field, he was moving around so slow. It was like turtle speed compared to everybody else. And so it's just like, how how could the scouts miss this so this bad? How could how could they make such a big error? Because um, he put on, he put on all that weight um, after the draft, and it, it, yeah, and it's just, yeah, between he the came draft, in training camp, yeah, pretty between, uh, pretty hefty. In the draft and training camp is when they put on all that weight. Crazy. I'll never forget the story of the Oakland Raiders giving that man a blank film to study. They did. That was just hilarious. What so, again, they gave him a they gave him a tape and said it was or I can't remember if it was a tape or a playbook, but anyways no, they was, gave him one tape. to send home with him to watch and it was blank, and he didn't even watch it. I don't know if he watched it or not, but he didn't get any knowledge out of it. That's crazy. That is crazy. I he wonder if eighteen touchdowns in his career too. So basically, I mean, they were they were already trying to clown that guy before he even yeah. played a played a down for them. I guess, I guess, in a way, it's like you're, you're testing him to see if he actually watches film. Because if you send him a blank one, right, and then he never says like, "Dude, the tape you sent me was blank," then obviously you know he doesn't watch film. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, Mace, you know, go ahead and give 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 all your thoughts. No interruptions on him, and then we'll let Dill talk about him, and then I'll. I'll re-mention my number one guy before we close out the segment. Dang, technical difficulties. Did we lose him again? 
We lost them. Man, you're gonna have a lot of piecing together to do when we put this live. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is this is uh, quite a fun episode. Um, we're gonna close it out one more time and reinvite them so that we can uh, do the end. Hey, Mace, you back? Dude, I don't I don't know what's going on because normally. What I'm Normally that doesn't happen. It must be. It must be because, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it was. It happened with Dill first, then it happened with you twice, and and now Dill's back. Um, The charm. I, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. We got a glitch in the matrix, but you know, Mace, real quick, just talk about Jamarcus Russell before we disconnected again. You guys basically nailed that on the head. Um. The only thing I can really add is he only threw 18 touchdowns in his career. Mm-hmm. Dang. He played through three years and only threw 18 touchdowns. I mean, That's crazy. The dude's stats aren't very good. Awful. That's awful. That is the worst. Um, uh, you know. I mean, all I got to say is biggest bust of all time. I mean, in my the, eyes. The, one, the only one I think was bigger for me personally because I grew up in a past the Jamarcus Russell time. Um, is my number one. I mentioned him, Johnny Menzel. Yep. The freaking idiot. Um, everyone knew Johnny football. I knew Johnny football, and I wasn't even the biggest college fan at the time. I was doing the money, the money sign that he always did. I was doing that everywhere I went. I was always trying to be like him. And then he comes in the league, and he does nothing. Absolutely. I mean, that's nothing. what the Cleveland Browns will do to you, it, I think. It wasn't anything. I mean, look, look who, look who they drafted after. For real, Deshaun Kaiser and people like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go Browns. through. We we could do a whole episode on that list of quarterbacks that they've gone through oh, in their career. Sure. Charlie Whitehurst. I mean. Oh my gosh. Some of the names, just on horrify that list. me. Yeah. Some of the names horrify me. I mean, yeah, you think, I mean, oh, he played quarterback in the NFL? I forgot about that. They they got Seneca they Wallace. Got, it's all coming Baker, back to me right yeah. now. They got Baker in there now. We'll see what he does this I think year. Baker's the longest tenured quarterback like they've had probably in the last thirty this, years. <laughs> in my opinion, in my opinion, this is Baker's uh, break or make it. Yeah, I, I was just gonna yeah. say that. If, yeah. he doesn't do, if he doesn't do anything this year, he's he's bye bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, sure. we even had a discussion on one of the few on the previous episodes that if he you know starts zero four, Alex thinks that uh, who crap who do they sign? I can't even remember. Uh, Case, Case Keenum. Keenum, thank you. Case Keenum yeah. will start by week five. Oh yeah, oh, for sure. oh yeah, that's a hot take. Yeah. Baker will be a backup somewhere if he doesn't do anything mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, I'm not saying he's going to with the Browns, but it could be with he'll be it could be a backup with the Browns. But I think he'll be somewhere. Yeah. Or Jackson will find him and he'll go start over there. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, Mace, we've had a lot of technical difficulties, man. Appreciate yeah. you trumping um, through it, though. <laughs> Yeah, we really oh, appreciate you, you coming on. You know, you know I'm a champ. I got you, yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, for sure. for sure. Um we'll make we'll make sure to have you on again um in the near future. And you know, uh we're for those who don't know, we're actually gonna be playing uh, some football today. So I'll see you in a little bit, Mace. All right, see ya. See you guys. See ya. Peace. We're back here for the last segment of the day. Uh sorry for all those technical issues. Don't know what was going on there, Alex. Um, it's weird because, you know, normally if it was like a glitch with Mason, it would just been Mason, but when yours cut first and then his cut twice, 
It was yeah, it was a confusing time. Uh, I just asked him if it was his Wi-Fi. It may have been. I don't know. I don't even know where he is. He may not even be home. <laughs> maybe not. Um, but either way, you know, we got you guys. We pranked you. You thought we were gonna be done, but we actually have one more segment. And uh, Dill, you know, let's let's truck through this one pretty fast because I'm my brain is my brain is on just zero percent <laughs> for real. So why don't you just go right ahead? We're talking about top five linebackers all time with honorable uh, mentions. Are you doing pass rushers? Oh, I'm tripping. I told you. <laughs> I got dude, you. I got brain. you. Don't worry. Don't worry. What is my brain on? I'm on. I'm off of something, dude. I ate so much candy last night. Um, but you know what, though? The pass rushers. Why don't you give your honorable mentions? All right. Well, uh, my cousin Alex actually mentioned this first one uh, last week in our episode. Von Miller. One ring under his belt. Obviously, as I said earlier, part of the linebackers list. But uh, he's really made a career off the edge making, uh, you know, 106 sacks so far in his career. Also had Dwight Freeney, great player. He was uh, very clutch when needed on, you know, in a pass rush, you know, QB hurry on third or fourth down late in the game, 125 career sacks, seven Pro Bowls. And talk about James Harrison here. He was a two-time champion, 84 and a half sacks over his career between the Steelers and Patriots, AP Defensive Player of the Year in 2008, and a little bit of a surprise here I'm going to put in there, Vic Beasley Jr., very underrated. I'll never forget that career night he had a uh, six or seven sack game against Dallas in 2016. 37 and a half sacks over his career. I believe he had a 20 sack year in that 2016 season and um, may also made the Pro Bowl this that year. Oh, crazy, man. You know, he he kind of fell off a bit, but not not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I wasn't surprised to see him on there, but I, it was refreshing to see a younger guy like that real quick. Just continuing the, the faster pace. My honorable mentions, you know, you think uh, you mentioned Dwight Freeney. I kind of think of Robert Mathis. He was a little bit more of a <clears> linebacker, but he could come off the edge on that Colts team too. Um, Jared Allen off the Vikings, you know. We always talk about these guys from when I first started watching football in around 2010. Jared Allen, you know, I'll go back to it. Football cards were my thing. He was one of the first ones I had. Jared Allen, Brian Erlacher, those type of guys. So Jared Allen, you know. I never wanted to go against him, and, and I saw him at the end of his career, but he was still producing mm-hmm. and still one of the top guys of his generation. I mean, as a fan of a team in the NFC North, I mean, we would be scared to see that guy twice a year, especially with in his prime, the Lions were absolutely garbage. So, Oh, for sure. And and, and um, in that same type of era, we have DeMarcus Ware. You know, mm-hmm. he was on the Cowboys, the Broncos later in his career. But the thing that really stands about him and the other guy I'm going to talk about on honorable mentions – he was just dominant through his whole career. Um, I grew up watching him on, on Thanksgiving playing for the Cowboys. I remember one game versus the Saints. They're wearing that blue and white. Where the I love those jerseys. Blue. Yeah, I, I love those jerseys too. And, um, you know, DeMarcus Ware, hi, highly underrated. Uh, if there were less guys on this – or if there were more spots on this list, he would be on there. Um, Julius Peppers played for the Panthers, the Bears, and then I believe the Panthers again, right? Mm-hmm. Um Still performed at a pretty high level at the end of his career. More of a mentor role when he went back to Carolina. But really, I mean, this is one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. And he would definitely be my number six if, if we had one. Um, but why don't we just get right into it? Number five guy for you, Dill. Break it down. All right. My number five guy is Kevin Green. What an absolute beast this guy was during the original Steel Curtain defense in the 90s. Started his career as an L.A. Ram. Stops in Carolina and San Francisco. He was a five-time Pro Bowler. Never won that Super Bowl ring, though, with the Steelers. They were a little lower on the end of great teams during that time. He had 160 sacks and 669 solo tackles over his career. 
with his best season coming in 1994 with 14 sacks. Wow, man. Um, you know, I never even heard of this dude, to be honest. Actually, I... you know you know how I hear, actually, my top five, I've heard of more just playing Madden Ultimate Team, Mutt, than anything. Yeah. I remember getting a Kevin Green card this year. You know, I... Um... I'll have to tell that story one day, speaking of Madden, about how you packed that 99 Vic. Oh yeah, real quick. I uh, it was one. It was one night. I want to say 2017. That was Madden. 18. Madden 18. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It might have been like early 2018, maybe like May of 2018, something like that. I uh, I'm recording. I I usually always was just recording whenever I open packs on the PS4. I'm I'm screen recording, and I get the 99 overall limited. Uh, edition Vic and sold it for 2.5 million coins. I was like, it was the best. It was, I have the mm-hmm. recording somewhere of me just freaking out. Yeah. But, um, you know, Mutt, it's a big thing, but I would have never heard of this guy because normally, normally I was surprised. Everybody on my list is, is an older generation, uh, quote unquote old head, if you will. Um, and normally my lists tend to be leaning towards the younger side. But when I was making this list specifically, Really, the guys who were standing out on my mind as I looked into into things were were the older generation of people. Um, number five for me is John Randall. Um, just scary the way he played. He was in, intimidating. He had that black face paint. Mm-hmm. He was always amped up. I watched if he. I was watching like the top ten players mic'd up all time, or what NFL Network deemed those players, and. John Randall was number eight, and you just saw him talking and talking and talking. They say it's like some guys need that to rev them up to the right part. Oh, for sure. Is yeah. what they were saying. Um, Hall of Famer in 2010. Uh, he was a nightmare for offenses. You know, and the Vikings, they already had that legacy, the Purple People Eaters, obviously, mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s. And, and, and this guy, in my opinion, kind of continues that legacy. He he was always, if he wasn't the one making the tackle or the sack or the any any kind of – edge rush maneuver um he was there like he was in the pile he was he was right next to it so you know um he seemed to always be around the ball and around the play um at least at the line of scrimmage you know so that's why he's going to come on here on pass rushers because i just i i saw him really breaking through that line whenever i was watching this uh watching his film Mm -hmm. um I'll do my number four and pass it off to you just so I can get this one pretty quick. But Deacon Jones, man, is number four for me. And, I mean, like I said, usually I'm not one to put old heads on my list. But this, this – he – like, obviously, once I thought about it, Michael Strahan. But he was the first pass rusher that really came to mind, which surprised me because he's kind of that OG, that original guy who um, created, in my opinion, like the groundwork of what we see now. In 2013, they created something called the Deacon Jones Award, which is for the best pass rusher every season. And there's a reason for that. It's 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 called Deacon Jones Award for a reason. And he's really who, in my opinion, laid the footing um, for the generations to come. Um, my number one guy is actually your number four guy. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that we. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking when I made this list, but I guess there's just so many good pass rushers out there that. I put Michael Strahan at number four. He's now a star on Fox NFL Sunday mm-hmm. uh, pregame show and uh, during the week on Good Morning America. But uh, as we know in his football playing career, he played on Sundays, and you would not want to be lined up on that other side of him because he would absolutely wreck you. Well, wow. only played for one team over his career, the New York Giants, 141 and a half sacks, 24 fumbles forced with 854 tackles. 
currently sitting in Canton, Ohio, and uh, has one Super Bowl ring after beating those undefeated Patriots in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll talk about him. Obviously, we mentioned he's my number one guy on the list. Um, but right now, you know, I'm going to continue to move this segment forward so my eyes don't just completely shut on me. Um, I should probably get better sleep, and moving forward, I will. Uh, I start work back up in two days. Oh. Um, so, you know, kind of got to fix the schedule. For sure. I've just been on that grind, you know. Um, uh-huh. But my number three guy is Reggie White. And firstly, I'd just like to say rest in peace, Jerome Brown, you know. For those of you who don't know, Reggie White and Jerome Brown, they, they played together on the Philadelphia Eagles. And um, there's a football life that's called Reggie White and Jerome Brown. That's why when I think Reggie White, I automatically think Jerome Brown too. Um, Jerome Brown passed away right before the 1992 season after just being dominant for the, his first five years. And then Jerome Brown, unfortunately, it was, it was a rainy night. Um, I think maybe somebody was in the car with him, but he lost control of his car. He hit a tree and um, passed away, unfortunately. Um, so when I think Reggie White, you know, I have to say RIP Jerome Brown. But Reggie White specifically, you know, moving to him, he's a great guy. You know, I saw his speech about Jerome Brown. I saw every, everything he's said about that situation. But just in terms of being out on the field, he, re- he really was, um, in my opinion, just just a guy you want to watch. Um he he was a big I believe was he a defensive tackle? Yeah, um, I think he was a defensive tackle, yeah. And for a defensive tackle being as good as he was at pass rushing, mm-hmm. you just don't see it a lot. So he really had to be on this list. Um I know he's on your list too in a different spot, but he, he's he's number three on my list. And why don't you go to break down your number three? I know I already mentioned him, but you can talk All about right, your my number, number three, three was your number four, Deacon Jones. Obviously, as you said, it's Pretty hard to find some stats on him, like you also said. OG pass rusher playing through the 60s and parts of the 70s. Sacks weren't even a recorded stat yet when he played, so it was kind of hard for me to dig up some stats. The only stats I really could find on him, 15 fumble recoveries and two interceptions. One of those interceptions, now remember, he's a pass rusher. One of those interceptions went for 50 yards. Wow. And that's just crazy to think about. And I, you know, as a lot of these guys, older guys, I think of him as, you know, just playing mutt and just packing him or playing against him. Yeah, you know, Mutt is probably going to be a big theme moving forward with the defensive side of the ball because you you tend to see a lot of these older guys on Mutt on defense, you know. So I definitely think the more we move forward, we'll probably talk, especially when we get to corners, there'll be a lot of those mm-hmm. older generation guys, safeties included. Um, but, you know, with uh, Deacon Jones, like I said, you know, there's a reason that's, that's what they named the award. Um, he's the OG guy. Moving forward onto my number two, he's he's on your list too in a different spot. Bruce Smith, you know, I didn't know a lot about him, but then I look into him. All-time sack leader, you can't deny that. You have to put him on the list. And and with my list, I always try to just not solely based on stats because I don't like to deny, like, if I think somebody is my favorite, I want to make it known that they're my favorite. But Bruce Smith, great. The stats speak for themselves legendary um hall of famer right um played for the bills i don't know too much about him and i'll let you handle more of talking about him that's why i really didn't say much but he does come at number two at my list real quick just getting my number one out the way because you already talked to him michael strahan you know the gap legendary (laughs) um when i think about michael strahan something that i remember is 
I, was, I want to say I was watching his football life. Um, he was he was inspiring people over in Britain, mm-hmm. you know, and and he was really part like, of that growing the game over there. Yeah, and and he was really kind of I don't want to say the first guy to do that, but in a lot of ways he he continued growing the game because uh, I just I just was hearing about it, um, and and a lot of people had liked the Cowboys over in in Britain because mm-hmm. of that dynasty before Strahan's time where the Cowboys had Aikman, Smith, all that in the 90s. So th- then when they saw Michael Strahan on the Giants, you know, he, he gained a lot of fandom over there. And, and it was some clip I saw about that a couple of years back. But 22.5 sacks in a season, that's, I think that's, that's still insane. the record. That's ridiculous to me. It was the 2001 season, I believe. And, and that's why he's my number one, because 22.5 in a season – is just is just outstanding and and deserves all the credit. So Michael Strahan number one on my list. Now I talked a while. Now I'll let you do the talking. Number two and number one break. All down right, one. number two, as you mentioned earlier, Reggie White played for three different teams over a storied career, storied career, most notably with Green Bay and Philadelphia. Um, had his most successful seasons in three of his first four seasons in the league, where he had fifty seven sacks over those three years, and two of them being uh, stat leaders for sacks in this, over the league. Over his entire career, 198 sacks and 1,111 tackles with 33 forced fumbles. He was a 13-time Pro Bowler and uh, has a Super Bowl ring. My number one guy is Bruce Smith. This guy made AFC defenses, AFC East defenses cringe for a lot of years during his playing career. But then when he went over to the NFC East in his final four years of his career, he would also do the same thing. He led the league in sacks, or never actually led the league in sacks, pardon me, but put up big numbers every season, 200 sacks, 1,224 total tackles with 43 forced fumbles, 11 times in the Pro Bowl, and he won two times uh, defensive AP Defensive Player of the Year. Wow. Hall of Famer. Um, I didn't know much about him, so thanks for the insight. But, man, almost 20 years of just terrorizing defenses. 200 sacks, that's that's insane. You know, you see Reggie White with 198. He was pretty close. Um, both those guys, man. This list, how do you how do you feel about it, though? Did you think it was tough? Um, it was not tough coming up with five. It was tough putting them in the order, and I can see I kind of screwed up the order. But hey, whatever. It's I I I'd agree with that. I feel like um, yours was definitely the stronger list when it comes to where you put them. I think um. It was just it was hard um, because there were, there were a lot of guys that I could think of too, um, but then there were some guys I felt like were just slipping my mind at this moment, like some of the younger mm-hmm. guys. Um, you know, eventually well, this list will change. I plan on you know sometime in the future, in a couple seasons, maybe even next year, we'll revisit these lists because our list will always change. Oh, for sure. And um. I think this was, like you said, it wasn't a difficult list. The order was the hard thing. Um, whenever I order, I just do it just in the moment, and then I just go with it. And so that's what happened this morning. I had all my guys picked, and then I just put them how I thought they should be. Um, but, Dill, you know, very tired. I know, it's isn't it your mom's birthday today? It is, yes. All right. Happy birthday to Dylan's mom, everybody, you know. Um you know, we want we want to thank her for birthing you um, into this planet. Um, but yeah, man. So happy birthday to your mom. Thanks, man. Um, 
I'm about to fall asleep. Oh. But I can't because I got to go whoop Mason's butt and some football. Yeah, he said um, 30, you said. So you yeah, better be there. So I got to I gotta make sure I'm up and, and ready to go. Probably chug a two-liter of Mountain Dew or something. Um, But thanks again for uh for coming on with me today, no Dale. Problem, and uh, why don't you just – why don't you start the conclusion? All right. Well, uh, we thank you for listening. Obviously, had a couple unplanned technical difficulties, and it was nice to lighten it up after uh, that rough start with uh, talking about Drew Brees and uh, the world that we live in now. Next week, the only topic that I'm going to give away is we're going to be talking about top five cornerbacks, which will be fun. We still have a guest to be ter- to be determined and a first topic to be determined. So keep an eye on our social channels at Dylan and Al Podcast. Again, that is at Dylan and Al Podcast to find out the rest. We will be posting some stuff throughout the weekend to give you some clues. Oh, for sure. And, you know, um, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, some others. But, you know, honestly, we just really want to thank you for sticking with us for these first seven episodes, even with technical difficulties, even with gibberish nonsense that we spew, even with favorite snacks, discussions, things like that. You know, um, we really want to thank you for being here. Um, We'll continue to make better content. We plan on, you know, obviously, as we get out of the Rona situation or not completely get out of it, but more like we're we're starting to take steps to move forward um, with the world. Um, as we get closer, we'll probably be re- recording together in the same location soon. So not as many technical difficulties um, as beforehand. But, you know, um, we we do still thank you for listening um, at the start of the journey. We know it will get better and better. And uh, we just we thank you so much. All right. Bye, everybody. And bye. Bye.